Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. I do. Love you very much. It's so good to see you again today. Um, I'm excited to preach God's Word, and I want you to get your Bibles and you open them up to the book of Genesis. Genesis, we're going to look at Genesis 28. Genesis 28, verse 10, and then we're going to look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, but hold that place in Genesis 28. We're going to jump into it here really quick in just a second. Uh, man, I, I have, I'm enjoying this lovely fall weather. Don't you love it? <laughs> Don't you love it? I, it's, it's such a wonderful time of year because you just don't, you're not sweating constantly, you know? So it's just, it's just a, it's a little bit better. It's a little bit better than normal. And then, uh, and then these, these holidays, they're going to be right on us. Uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, my goodness. Like, Thanksgiving is next week. Can you believe that? Yeah, Thanksgiving is next week. And then we're going to be rolling into Christmas stuff and, and all that. And it'll be, it'll be 2022 before you know it. I love it. Oh, that's good to see you, though. Uh, but uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, we're going to look at that in just a second. So hold on to your place right there. Uh, my message title today is How God Meets your needs, how God meets your needs. And this is another message in this Faith Accelerator uh, series about punching the accelerator of faith in your life. And, and uh, we're going to take a look at a story of a guy by the name of Jacob. Jacob, was, whose, his name was later changed to Israel. So what we're going to be reading is a, is a story of Jacob, but then, then 20 years later, his name is changed to Israel. So he is the father of the nation of Israel, which actually still exists today. It's the only nation on the face of the earth that, that once was, and then it was wiped out, and it has been reestablished. It's because it's, there's God's special hand is upon them. And so you're going to see some of that. We're going to read about some of that, about what, what even modern-day Israel is benefiting from and the world is benefiting from today from what God spoke over Jacob. Now, see, Jacob at this point, he has no idea that any of this stuff is, is about to happen to him. And, uh, and, and Jacob, he was a rascal. He, he, was, he was a rascal. He, he did not have his act together. Him and his mother were get, would like getting cahoots, and they would come up with these little strategies and plans to do some really bad stuff. And they, uh, they, his mom, his mom, she just, he was, he was a mama's boy. Let's just put it that he was a mama's boy, 100%. And, and his mom would manipulate him and, the, and he would manipulate others. And they, I mean, he ripped off his brother and his dad. And it was, he was not what I would call a very savory character. So that gives all of us hope, okay? It gives all of us a whole lot of hope. But we're going to pick up on his story here in just a minute because he had left his, well, where he was with his family, which, which was in uh, Beersheba, and his father had finally given him a blessing to leave the family, to go away. And, and he was going to uh, he, he go away and head out on this journey to essentially create a new life for himself. Uh, when he left... He had limited supplies, he was unemployed, he was alone, and he was fleeing family strife that himself and his wonderful mother had created and stirred up. And so his mother said, well, there's a place you can go, 
You can go uh, to my to my brother, Uncle Laban, which is his Uncle Laban. Now, in today's culture, you kind of like know who your uncles and family is. You, you, you know them because even if you're not close to them, you, you, you'll do a FaceTime or something like this. Well, there was nothing like that. He had never met this Laban dude, and Laban la- lived like 700 miles away. In, uh, and actually in the part of southern Turkey today is, is where the city still is, where Laban lived. So... This was, this was a quite, a, quite an interesting little journey here he was going to have to take, 700-mile journey on foot. And so we're going to pick up with the story in Genesis chapter 8, verse 10. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. Haran is that city in Turkey. Still exists today. Beersheba still exists today. You guys can look this stuff up on your maps. It actually kind of is, is interesting to see how these places are still there today. And so Jacob, he, again, keep in mind, later on he becomes Israel but 20 years after this incident right here. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven with angels of God ascending and descending on it. I, I remember this, uh, this story as a child. Uh, this was one of the most intriguing Sunday school and children's church stories growing up. I just loved the imagery of it. Uh, but those angels, the, the angels are, are God's messengers, and they, they deliver things. They bring us protection or whatever. They, they take care of us. They, they, help, they help watch out for us. So they are God's agents doing these things. So the imagery here is that God is sending these angels down to do work, to take care of God's people, to deliver blessings or whatever, and then they're going back up to get the next orders from God and, and then coming back down. So it's, it's this incredible vision. This, it was a night vision, a dream that he had. There above it, this huge staircase, in some versions of your Bible, it may say a ladder, I, I, now, I, I have to tell you the truth here. When I did see a Sunday school picture that was a recreation of this, they showed, like, the, these angels climbing up ladders, and I was scared to death of that. It's like, I am not climbing up this ladder, uh, but it's, it's actually a stairway, okay? So they, they stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. So Abraham was his grandfather. Isaac was his dad. I will give you and your descendants, here it is, the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And, and just so that you understand what this means, uh, some people say, well, the national Israel blesses all people on earth. Well, I, I, I do believe that it's really speaking of the bloodline because he's speaking of a bloodline there. So it's, it's the bloodline where Jesus Christ is in that bloodline and Jesus Christ is the blessing to everyone on this earth. All the people have to do is receive him as their savior and they walk into the blessing of God. They walk into the eternity with Jesus Christ, heaven, freedom from guilt, shame, condemnation, sin. Oh, I could preach about that, but I'm going to keep moving on to some other stuff. So, so the blessing, I believe, was Jesus. So see how, how he's, he, God is setting this up. He says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go 
and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid, which doesn't necessarily mean fearful, like if you see a lion or something, you're fearful, but this this is like he was just trembling with emotion. Can you imagine? Just trembling with emotion. So he was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place? There is, this, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early the next morning, Jacob took a stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. So it was a little ceremony that he did right there. And he called that place Bethel. Some people use the word Bethel. Uh, but, but, uh, but that is the name of that place, again, still exists today. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and I want to pause there for just a second because it sounds like he's saying, well, if God is going to be with me, but you see, God has already promised this, okay? So this is not, he, he's not questioning God or he's not trying to make a deal here. He, he's, he's basically saying, well, hey, that, that word if really means to us like since God, okay? So God, God has already promised this and he's believing this by faith. So if God will be with me, and watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. Of all that you give me, I will give a tenth. So Jacob had this encounter with God and what he experienced was the open heavens over his life. And, and, he, and he saw these angels ascending and descending. It's like he, he had this glimpse into the supernatural world. And, and occasionally that happens with, with people on earth. Most people will, will probably never experience that. But it does happen from time to time where people will see into the spirit world of what's going on. And they'll see things around them going, whoa, I had no idea that was happening. I don't think that's something that we should try to pray for or ask for or look for. But sometimes God just does that to let you see what's really happening around you. But, but he had this, he saw this, and this was an incredible vision of, of open heavens over his life and what God was doing. And in this vision, of course, he saw these angels bringing blessings to earth, and they were, they were going back up for other orders from God. And he realized the awesomeness of the presence of God. So when he awoke, I mean, he was trembling. He was in the awesome presence of God, awesome presence of God. And he realized that God loved him. He realized that God was a holy God and that God was real and powerful. See, he had never had an encounter with God whatsoever. And you might say, well, didn't he have the Bible? No, he had nothing except some oral tradition that was handed down from his family. So he didn't have all of the knowledge that we have today. This was a power encounter with God that literally shook this guy up and changed his life. And, uh, in fact, this encounter changed not only his attitude, but it changed his whole outlook on life. Because at this point, this guy quits cheating. It's almost like a salvation experience. He quit, he quit his cheating. He quit his, quit his bad business. He stopped all that nonsense that had caused him trouble all of his life. He stopped it all, and he became, in a sense, like a new person. And, uh, and from that point on, he would honor God, and he would respond to God differently than he ever had before. So in response to this 
power moment, this moment of the open heavens, uh, he did two things. One is he established a monument. So this stone that he was, he was lying on, probably, I used to think it probably gave him a headache, but most likely it was a, it was a stone that he wrapped up with a, with a garment, so it would have been a little bit soft for him. But he laid his head on that, that stone that he slept on, he poured oil over it. Now when you pour oil onto something that's, that's stone, the oil doesn't leave, it's there. It gets embedded in it. So, so this now is, a, this stone has this embedded oil in it, and he put it up as a monument. Probably nobody else would understand it, see it, or know anything about it, but he would be able to come back and visit that spot again and know there's the monument. I will not forget what happened right here. And that oil, that, which, which really spoke also of, the, uh, of, the, of a, just an agreement with God. He's going to seal it with oil. Uh, that, that agreement with God was set up right there. So he did that. And the second thing is, is he made the vow to give a tenth, which is a tithe. So that, that means 10% of whatever he earned from that point forward in his life, he was going to give to God. So, so this was basically an act of consecration where he, where he just said, you know, this is something powerful has happened in this place, something has happened in this moment, this om, omnipresent God, this omniscient God who hates sin and who frees me from it and, and draws all people to him and who loves me dearly. He opened up the heavens to me and he promised me that he's going to take care of me. And God promised me that I'm going to, going to have food and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have clothes. And God promised me that he's going to bring me back here. So, so, this, this stone was, was, and this vow to tithe, those two things were acts of faith. Now, sometimes God has us make acts of faith so that we are stepping forward in an act of faith when we haven't seen anything happen. Now, please understand, when he woke up and he made, those, he made the vow and he set up that monument, nothing else had changed in his life. He was still destitute. He was still uh, in trouble with his family. He was still in distress. He was still um, out of work. He was homeless. <laughs> but he experienced the open heavens. And what he did in response to what God did, so God always takes the first action. What he did in response to what God did opened up the door for a completely new future for him. He established the house of God even in that place. And it was a, this was, I guess you could say, an essential cornerstone for his blessed life that he began to walk in. And, and again, keep in mind, he did this out of faith. He did this in faith when nothing else was looking good Nothing else was looking. Keep in mind, he's alone out there in the wilderness by faith. He's out there in some field just with the clothes on his back and, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of money in his pocket and some food. And he's got, a, he's got this 700-mile journey to take. And he's acting on faith right now. I want you to understand this is... Sometimes you'll, you'll come to church and you may have an experience with God, an encounter with God. You may give your life to the Lord. And when you leave, though, you're expecting all your circumstances to be different. Everything's going to be changed because you encountered God. Maybe you just come in here and you begin worshiping. You feel the presence of God. It just sweeps over you. And, oh, my goodness, this is wonderful. But then you leave and 
Monday, you go back to work, and, and your boss is the same boss you've always had. Like, you were expecting the boss to go away. Now you're working for this person. Like, why do they exist? I mean, you know, sometimes you guys have those questions in your mind. Like, how did this person ever become uh, an owner or a manager? Like, what in the world? And, th- and then you, and you go home, and your house is still falling apart. It's like, wait, it didn't all come back together on my own. So, the cer- so you still have circumstances out there that don't look so good, even after you had an encounter with God. Does anybody have a clue of what I'm talking about right there? Yeah. Yeah, but you see, just because circumstances don't change doesn't mean that God isn't working. And sometimes Monday does come and things are just as bad or they may even be worse. And it's a good thing to look at the story of Jacob because that's exactly what happened to him. The next 20 years of Jacob's life was gonna be really interesting. Now, some good things happened and some really crazy things happened. He found the girl that he was going to marry. Um, he, found, he got this job. It did work out. His uncle Laban said, oh, so you're the long lost nephew. Yeah, my sis. Okay, yeah, great. Come on, you can work for me. Sure, sure. But he stayed true to his vow to tithe. He was mistreated. In fact, he was even severely cheated by his uncle, his boss. He was lied to by his boss. In fact, Jacob then moved into a, a period of time. You, you read the story on your own. There is some craziness going on there. He ends up in some severe marital conflict, and I'm talking severe marital conflict. He stayed true to this tie the whole time. 14 years into this, 14 years into this job, because he thought he was going to go up there just for a little while. 14 years into this, now God starts blessing his boss. God starts blessing Laban, the guy who was cheating him and who was lying to him and was stealing from him. God starts blessing his boss. Why? The Bible even says in Genesis chapter 30, verse 27, that God blessed Laban because of Jacob's vow. <laughs> it's like the blessing starts spilling off, off onto other people. You can't control it. You can't control what the blessing is going to do. But Jacob stayed true to his vow to tithe, and Jacob grew exceedingly prosperous. Really, that's what the scriptures tell us. In Genesis chapter 30, verse 43, it talks about how prosperous he had become, and it was just huge. But it didn't end there. People started hating on him now because this guy all of a sudden is prosperous. And because of his prosperity, his boss, his uncle boss, diminished his salary 10 different times. Pay cut, pay cut, pay cut, pay cut, pay cut. Why? It wasn't because there was the lack of abundance. It wasn't because there was inflation. It wasn't because of any kind of a lack. No, there was plenty. The boss just kept cutting his pay, cutting his pay, cutting it, cutting it, cutting it. (laughs) 20 years, 20 years into this, finally, God visits him again. Like, okay, there you are again, God. God visits him again, and God told him how he had seen uh, his, his uncle, his boss, Laban, treating him and really mistreating him. And God reminded him. He said, Jacob, you know, I just want to remind you of the significance of the monument, the significance of the vow, and I'm going to give you some clear direction. That's all in, in Genesis chapter 31. So what happened is Jacob was finally delivered after 20 years from the ultimate bad boss, yet God had blessed him and prospered him the entire time, but he went through some really, really bumpy roads. Anyone who says giving your life to Christ and 
beginning to serve God and follow his word means smooth sailing from here on out. They're, they're lying to you. They are lying to you. But here's the truth. God will bless you along the way, and God will slowly just begin. Usually it's a slow process. Slowly bless you and bless you and bless you, and miracles begin to happen, and miracles begin to happen. Then you've, then you've got your haters. They're, like, they're hating on you because you're doing good. And you're like, wait, well, how did this happen? Well, God's hand, God's blessing is on your life. Just keep moving forward. But it took For Jacob, it took 20 years of faithfulness and not giving up. Now, I want you to flip over into that other passage that I had shared with you, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Because, you know, today I'm going to talk specifically about tithing. Please understand, if you're not a part of this church, I'm not, in no way I'm trying to get your money. Those of y'all who know me, that's just nonsense. That's not what this is about. What I do is I I want you to be blessed. And first of all, those of you who are tithers, I want you to, they're, key principles in here regarding latching on and holding on and staying faithful to God's blessing as you have tithed. For if, you're, if you're not a tither, I, I challenge you to, to engage it because there are incredible blessings associated with it. Interestingly enough, this message could be preached in just about any other nation in the world, but when you preach it in America, people get defensive because they think, well, you're after my money. Be quiet because we're the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth, and people respond that way. Well, don't. I'm not going to, okay? Just don't, don't respond that way. Just, just, just give in and hear the word of God. Can y'all, can y'all smile at me? All right, all right, all right, good. <laughs> all right, I, I love this now uh, because in Malachi chapter three, we see a parallel because Jacob's vow to, uh, to tithe with an expectation that God would be with him and that God would watch over him and God would give him food to eat and clothes to wear and a safe return to his family in exchange for the memorial stone and and for the uh, uh, exchange for the memorial stone and for his, his pledge to tithe, it's really no difference than what we find right here. So let's look at it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. The prophet says, Now bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now the first word I want you to catch right there is the word tithe. Second one is storehouse. If you underline or circle anything in your Bible, note those words because I want to talk about what those things mean. There's tithe and there's storehouse. God says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates. That's, that's another word that I want you to see. Floodgates. Let's, you go, go ahead and go to the next screen here. There we go. Okay, throw open the floodgates of heaven. So circle or underline that one. And pour out so much blessing. That's the fourth word that I want you to catch blessing, that there will not be room enough to store it. God then explains in a practical way what he'll do. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, and yours will be a delightful land. Now, those are the things that God will do for you. That's what he's promising. He just said, just put me to the test. You know, just, just put me to the test and watch what I'll do. And, uh, and so these are some pretty awesome promises right here. So it's clear from this passage that God responds when we are giving. And it opens up the door for divine provision. And, uh, and it comes either directly from his hand or even indirectly from his hand. This is how God meets your needs. It is. And, and I want you to believe and to expect God's blessing upon your tithing. I want you just to believe it and expect it. Now, I challenge you if you're giving in a, 
uh, kind of in a, just a, a repetitious way of like, well, this is just what I do. And sometimes when you get into the habit of doing it, it's, just, it's a habit. It's just something you do. I think habits are great. I know they are. Like I have a habit each morning that I take a shower. It benefits everybody. <laughs> but, but there are habits that we get into and we don't really think about them. And, and, uh, and, but, but I think it's important that we think about that, that we just think about it, that we like even honor God with it. Yes, God, praise God, this is yours. And, and make it special, all right? But here we see that this is a very clear invitation from God to test him, to test him. And he's, he guarantees that there is going to be some type of a return. It really, I think, believe it looks different for each person, but God does guarantee a return. So I, I want us to look at the four terms that God, that God gave us in this passage of Scripture to help us to understand what this looks like. Uh, which are the floodgates, floodgates of heaven, blessing, storehouse, and tithe. First of all, what are the floodgates of heaven? What does that mean? Um, now, first of all, I'll let you know that the floodgates of heaven is, is, is terminology that I quite often use uh, just in congruence with the terminology open heavens. It's, it's really the, the basically the same thing. But the floodgates of heaven, it's not like it's some bank that God has where all of your good deeds are stored up and they're, and they're generating interest. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not really the picture of it. And I have, I've heard that kind of teaching before, but that's not really what it is. The floodgates are these huge openings of God's blessing. It's kind of like what, what Jacob experienced. He was under the open heaven. It was this floodgate of blessing that was flowing. The angels were bringing those blessings down. So here's what floodgates are. Floodgates are the sources from which God blesses. And they can be supernatural sources, and they can be natural sources. Um, <clears throat> now, in the, in the scriptures, there are different types of, of, uh, of storehouses that we see. There are four different types that are mentioned in the scriptures, just really quick. In, in Genesis chapter 7, rain is mentioned of being from in the storehouse. Second uh, Kings chapter 7, Heavenly, excuse me, not the storehouse, but the floodgates. The floodgates in Second Kings chapter 7 marked an end of famine and hunger. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 24, floodgates were, were opened up, and it, it was a release of God's justice where he makes all the wrongs right again. And Malachi chapter 3, which we just read, speaks of the floodgates and God's uh, pro- blessing and provision. So when I believe that when the floodgates are opened over your home, that in your home there's going to be conviction of sin. There's going to be uh, a spirit of joy and happiness even when everything isn't going perfect. When the floodgates of heaven are open over your mind, I believe that that brings you peace and that gives you confidence. When the floodgates of heaven are open over your body and over your soul, I believe that just brings you peace of mind and health and, com- and, and, and contentment. So that's what the floodgates of heaven look like, just these just, just a release from God for whatever is needed. Now, the second word that I told you I want us to look at of these four is the word blessing. The word blessing is released in accordance with giving. So blessing re- is, 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 uh, is triggered basically by our giving. Now, I don't for one second, hear me, I do not for one second believe that tithing will buy God's blessings for you. I, I don't believe that. That's, that's not biblical. But I do believe that they open the floodgates of heaven so that God will mightily and continually bless you. I just want to share some scriptures with you real quick. Here it is. Acts 20, verse 35 says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Jesus said this in Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. Then, see, it's all cause and effect. You see this? Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Also, Solomon said this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. He said, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. That's a, that's a life scripture for mine. I, uh, for me, I just love that scripture. But that explains uh, how blessing works in accordance with giving. Okay, so now we've looked at floodgates. We've looked at the term blessing. Uh, the next one is storehouse. Let's take a look at the word storehouse. Uh, first of all, Old Testament storehouses, they replaces uh, where God had designed those places to be where, where people would bring uh, bring items, and then it would be redistributed, be distributed back out. It, it's not like taxation where you, you pay your taxes and then your, your tax money is given to other people for whatever. It's, it's very, very different than that. The storehouse is, was a spiritual principle, so God's people would bring their tithe, which at that time was not monetary. It wasn't money. It was actually items. So they would bring part of their crops or whatever there to the storehouse, and then, then it would take care of the priests. It would take care of all of the temple worship. It would take care of all of the things that happened at the tabernacle. And, uh, and, and so all of the ministry would be taken care of that way. And secondly, they would be able to distribute to others who had need. So when, when there were people who were in poverty, they had, no, they had no backup system at all for taking care of people. That was it, the storehouse. So, but it's important to understand abundance came in and abundance went out. Now, there are times in the Old Testament where people quit tithing and there was no abundance coming in, so there was no abundance going out, and everything fell apart there in their culture as a result of that. So it, it's, but it's obvious that if there's an abundance coming in, that there will be an abundance going out. So that's part of what this means. Uh, there are other storehouse references in the Bible, and I want to make sure that we understand them well. The storehouse also referred to the tabernacle itself. So that's, that's where he says, my name is established here. So that's the place of worship where his name is established. Um, this, is, this is where God's people would come together for worship and for prayer, for repentance of sin. It was the meeting place, and it was called the storehouse. So, so third, really, the, the, the uh, terminology of storehouse for today is essentially a combination of the two. The storehouse refers to your local church. It's the place where you receive spiritual food. It's where you receive nurture and fellowship and worship. It's a place you call your spiritual home. Now, just to give you a very practical example of this is, is just what we did a little bit earlier. Uh, we, we brought a couple up here on the platform and, and 
there's going to be a lady by herself, so we're going to take care of her. But it, it flows through. It's the principle of the storehouse because she's a part of the local church, so she has family and she's going to be taken care of. And we're going to be watching out for her one way or another, either through your provisions or the ministry as a whole. So we're going to make sure she's, she's going to be all right. Another example is Jack sitting right back there on the back row. Uh, he's attended this church since day one and helped pull him out of homelessness. He now has a place to live. He, uh, he has bus passes. He's able to get around town. And he, makes, and he has a refrigerator full of food, too full of food. I saw the other day, Jack. But, uh, but Jack has plenty, and, and, uh, and he's, he's living very, very well compared to other people who would be in the same condition. And he's not able to work. And we're very well of his condition, his situation. But see, the storehouse, we're, we're, he's taken care of. Do you guys understand this? So these are just, just a couple of examples of how that worked within the local church. So, but it's also the place where there's spiritual food given to you. Uh, for example, I don't come up here and just find something off the internet and, and read it to you. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God, God, what is the food that this, this congregation needs? What do we need and where do we go? And, and we pr- I pray through it and process through it. And, and we'll spend hours, days many times just even away uh, just saying, God, I, I want to make sure I'm giving the right food to our congregation. And so it's spiritual food, and that's what's important. Everything that happens up here, it's, 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 it's all about taking care of God's people and the family of God in this atmosphere where you come and have an encounter with God and you hear from God, and you're sent out into the culture. You're sent out to be a blessing. You're sent out even on a, on a one-year deployment to be a blessing to others and to be used by God. That's the beauty of it. But the storehouse of blessing, really, it's, it's unlimited. There is no limitations to what it can actually do. The only restriction on how the storehouse functions is one thing, is are you able to uh, contain it, to use it, and to invest back into God's worth? That, that's how God will continue to make sure that you're able to, 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 uh, to have uh, have income to take care of the storehouse is are you going to use it? Are you going to invest back into God's work? Do you have the ability to contain blessings? Because God will give you blessings, but you have to be able to contain it. You have to be able to. So God wants to open, catch this, the heavenly floodgates, and he wants them to remain open so that the blessings of God will be released into your life. And we have the key to that happening. It happens through our obedience to bring the tithe into the storehouse. And in response to the open heavens, because God has already done such wonderful things for you, first of all, he's already set you up for eternity. If you, if you, even if you're here brand new and you just prayed that prayer, you're set, you're, eternity is yours. Do you get that? And so he's already opened up the heavens over you, and, he's, and just like Jacob, we're responding to that going, oh my goodness, God is up to such good things in my life. So God, I'm going to put my future in your hands. You're going to take care of me, but I'm also going to make sure that a tenth of everything that comes into my hands is going to go into your work. That's the attitude that we have. So there is a trigger, the switch, I guess you could say, that opens up the floodgates, and that is the tithe. I want to talk to you about what the tithe is. So there are just several things of what it means. First of all, the tithe means 10%. It means 10th. That, that's, that's really what it means. So the tithe also is the first of our wages. And Deuteronomy chapter 26, it talks in two different places in that chapter. It talks about how it's the first part of your wages. So, uh, so you should give that away, give that into God's work first. And not, not pay all your bills first, but do that first. 
So uh, a lot of the things that, that we do is, is uh, a, lot of us, a lot of us have this thing set up here with what called recurring giving so that as soon as your paycheck comes in the next day, uh, that tenth can come right back out and go right immediately to the storehouse. That's the beginning part. So you don't wait until the bank balance drops or, or whatever and say, well, I don't know if there's going to be enough. It's the first part. It's the first part. Another one is tithing acknowledges that everything you have already belongs to God. It really does. <laughs> Nothing we have belongs to us. It all belongs to God. We see this in Genesis 28, also in Deuteronomy chapter 26. And uh, so, so basically, when you're tithing, you're just giving God back what he already gave to you. You're giving him a portion of it back. You're giving back to God. There's something in our culture now which has sprung up over the past 10 to 15 years, and it's called giving back. Have you heard about that? You've all heard the term give back. We're going to give back. We're going to give back. We're going to give back to the community, and there's nothing wrong with that per se. Uh, <clears throat> but that's actually the tithe principle. It's the tithe principle, but I'm not going, my tithe is not going to go, you know, to, to give back to, uh, you know, mowing the lawns for or picking up trash in the city. I'm just going to do that because I, I do that. I, I'm going to go out and pick up trash. I just, I just will. And I'll go and clean up the block, and I, I just will. That's, but that is a way that I give back to the community. But, see, that is, that is the principle of the tithing principle that's being pulled over into the culture. But, but that, that culture is not the storehouse, okay? And so another one, another principle of what the tithe is, the tithe is to be given with an attitude of joy-filled worship. So we do this in our church. We have this time of giving, and we, we connect it right up against our time of worship. It's time of worship and praise, and that's our time of giving as well. So it's connected to the worship, and we do it with joy. Um, and another one is, is uh, the tithe is the provision for releasing ministry in the local church. I have all these scripture. Look, you guys added my scripture references. I didn't know that. Well, good. Oh, thank you. Now you guys can write all that down or take pictures of it. I didn't realize that, that they were doing that for you. See, see, we got nice guys up there. Look at them, typing all that stuff. All right. <clears throat> so, so it releases ministry into the local church. And according to the principle of the storehouse, uh, I believe that we have an abundance of blessing that flows from preaching and from revelation and from our ministries and our outreaches, but it's all in accordance with the tithe. So, so where there's abundance coming in, there's an abundance going out. You understand that? And the, the next principle on tithing, the sixth principle is this. Tithing acknowledges God's ownership of everything and our stewardship of his estate. So we're taking care of his estate. We're taking care of his stuff. He's the, he owns it. We're just going to take really good things, uh, take really good care of it because everything comes from him. All things come from God. I'll say it again. All things come from God. He owns everything. We are simply stewards. We're managers of what God puts into our hands. And this time, I, I want to take just a moment and <clears throat> do something a little different. I'd, Joel, I'd like for you, Joel Black, to please come up to, to the platform. Grab a mic and come on up. Uh, Joel is, uh, look, you're bringing, LaVonda, let's come with you. All right, good. Joel, LaVonda, you guys come on up here. Bring two mics if you want. Uh, but, but Joel, he led one of our songs earlier today, uh, and he, he plays up here in the band. But I've known these guys for about 30 years. Do you realize that? 30 years I've known these guys. And, and our, our children grew up together. And so it's, it's, it's very, very interesting how relationships form and, and how they, they go. And, 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 but, but I've known these guys, and I'll just I'll tell you this much. This is a solid couple right here. I, I bring them up here not to, so that you can applaud them, 
but, but I just want to say I recognize you guys are a solid couple. You're solid. You're solid in your faith. Uh, you've had no challenges at all in your life, right? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Of course, there have been, there've been plenty. But, but, uh, but you, you, you guys are solid. You've, you've worked. You've served, served the Lord with all of your heart. And, uh, and, I, and I'm going to ask you, just ask you a few little questions just get to, get to, so that we can get to know you guys a little bit better. But, uh, but, but you guys are, are uh, uh, you guys actually have a business. I know you, you're, you're a business owner, and you make sure that he's doing the right stuff with the business, aren't you, Lavanda, right? <laughs> uh, but talk to us about your business. What kind of business are you in? You can guys come up a little further here. Well, she's actually the majority owner, so <laughs> she doesn't like to claim that, but... <laughs> She does most of the work. We have a small telecommunications company that we've had for over 20 years. We provide uh, local and long-distance service to businesses. So it's that, it's that simple. Yeah. So, but the, There's a lot more to it. There's a whole lot more to it. Right and, and it. And, of course, it's constantly been evolving and changing with technology and everything like that. And, uh, and, but this is a business that, that he, he started several years ago. And I believe he heard from God on it. And, and you guys, at the same time, over to your private life, you guys are also, also tithers, correct? Right. So why do you tithe? Well, I was raised in a pastor's home, and there was no other option. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I, I know how that feels. So, yes. so you learned early to do that. But it was just a habit. It became a habit, and it's, it's one that we both had before we got married and just mm -hmm. continued after we got married. Mm -hmm. um, not just giving, but, or not just tithing, but giving over and above that mm -hmm. uh, when we could. Yeah. And I think there's probably only been a small portion of my life after we got married that I didn't tithe, and it was kind of a... I was having issues with God, you know, so yeah. we were kind of working through that. It yeah. was, it, 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 that's when I came to realize that this is not something God was making me do. Right. You know, because he loved me whether I tithed or not. Right. That wasn't the point. Um, and my tithing wasn't leveraging, you know, his storehouses necessarily, mm -hmm. although I do think it puts you in a position to, um, to receive blessing yeah. that you or maybe even avoid things that would have, detracted from your financial or your life that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't been doing that. Now, I, I, I know I've, I've prayed with you guys and prayed for your business for years. Uh, several months ago, I'm, uh, I mean, you came to me just saying, we're, we're at a crossroads, uh, and that, that was sobering. Uh, I, I, in fact, I, I remember you just alluding to some realities regarding your business and the future, and, and a lot of uh, this thing of, I don't know what we're going to do, and, and I, I remember praying with you, praying for you, and, and, and it, was a, it was a heavy burden on my heart, too, just knowing that, that uh, I'm sure it was heavier on y'all's, but, but knowing that, that we needed to, God, you know, God needed to work a miracle. We really needed God to work a miracle. So tell us a little bit about that, and then something began to shift and change. Talk to us a little bit about that. So about three or four years ago, we bought out another small company. Basically, we just bought their customers. And uh, one of the largest customers we ha got from them, which was also one of the largest customers that we have, um, there was some uh, dishonest and unethical stuff going on by another company. But anyway, bottom line is we were about to lose this customer. So I remember, I think I reached out to you this couple of years ago. I, I said, please pray. You know, um, I did everything I could to you know, make, make them happy. And, uh, and we prayed. We prayed, did everything we could. We prayed, you know claimed and did all the formulaic prayers you could think of, you know. And, um, you know, long story short, we ended up losing them. Yeah. And um, it was devastating. It was, it was like, okay, God, you know, now 
we, you know, it's, it always looks be bigger at the moment than it does in hindsight. But, you know, we got a few weeks, months down the road, and, you know, we hadn't closed the doors, but, you know, we were still making money, we were still paying the bills. Um, but at the moment, it seemed just overwhelming. So this was a particular type of customer. It was an assisted living center. You know, it, was, uh, it was a big customer for us, and we prayed and prayed and prayed. In fact, I read this book about drawing circles and praying related to that. And so I, I, I went down. I actually, I had her go down with me and sit in the car while I went in and talked to them and prayed. And then uh, later, we went down. I went down, and I literally drove around this place seven times praying. Wow. I'm sure if there had been a cop there, they'd probably go, what, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> uh, it, and that was interesting in and of itself because when I first started praying, I was like, God, we can't lose this customer. Please, you know, help us keep this thing. By the fifth or sixth time, I was praying for the community around. I was praying for the administrators. Wow. I was praying for the owners. I was praying for the residents. I was praying for all this other stuff that had nothing to do with me making money. But it's like during that process. Well, then... You know, I'm like, okay, God, you know, I've, I've done everything I can do, you know, and, and I hate to even, I'm, I'm hesitant to even relate that because we're looking for formulas. Yeah. If I do this and this, if I say this and this, God will answer the prayer. Right. Or the money will come in. I don't think it works that way. Yeah. All right. So, and in this case, it didn't. We lost the company. So fast forward two years, and I'd met a guy through the chamber that I was just, you know, interacting with, and he said, hey, I've got a chain of assisted living centers that want me to do all their IT and I'd like you to come on board and do their phone service. So uh, that, that was over a year ago. Uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I've seen a lot of big deals come along and I've, they've been signed, sealed, and delivered, and then they weren't. Yeah. So I'm not getting my hopes up. You know. In fact, I wasn't even praying for it. And, it became, and after a few months, it became more of a possibility. So I called Tim up. I said, Tim, I've been through so many of these deals. I don't even want to pray for this. Would you pray for this? Uh, yeah. I just don't have the faith, you know. You know and what? That, but that, but that's, that's part of what the body of Christ is for. Because sometimes we just don't have it. That's all. I, I, I don't even have the faith for this. Maybe I can use some of yours or yours. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, things begin to open up. And the bottom line is right now we have seven assisted living centers that we're providing the same service for the company that we lost two years later, and there's an, another 140 potentially down the road. So you have seven times what you lost already, right. and with a potential of 140, which would be like, uh, we're looking at seven times, 70 times seven, I don't know, whatever, but a we, lot. We've already doubled our staff, you yeah. know. So. And, and God has continued to bless, bless your, your, uh, your business. LaVonda, chime in on this a little bit. Well, the, the thing that, and he kind of makes a little bit light of it, but when he drove around, I'm sorry, when he drove around seven times, you know, sometimes when you're knocking down a wall, you don't start at the top, you got to go down deep. Yeah. And it reminded me when we walked around here. Yes. And I went to you and I said, I feel a rumbling way down deep. Yeah. That shaking is happening. And I truly believe that that's what was happening that things were shaking and moving to open the door. And as silly as it sounds, we, um, we always get these calendar cards that we send out to our customers at the beginning or the end of each year. And um, I got this special thing in the mail that says, hey, if you order now, and this was like back in June or something like that, if you order now, you get a bigger discount. So, and we've lost customers, we've cut our salary, that's why I have a second job. Mm -hmm. We've had to cut our salary, we've had to cut our other partner's salary. Um, but uh, 
we I got this offer and I and I went to Joel and I said I didn't cut any cards because I am believing we're going to have all these new assisted living centers that we're going to have to send all the management cards. Yeah. You know, and and here it comes. But I I believe that the prayer of what he did and in driving around that building and then calling on you were three major things, yeah. you know, that God has honored. Um, and there's still hurdles that are going on, you know, yes. but we're just putting one foot in front of the other. It's faith. Yeah. It's just faith. It's just faith. And you guys have punched the faith accelerator, and here you are. Look what God's doing. One of the things, too, that was part of this element is um, doing what God put in front of us. When this came our way, this opportunity came our way, they wanted me to drive around the state and visit. There's like 33 of them in the state of Texas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, Amarillo, Tyler, Longview, Paris, all over the place, Dallas-Fort Worth. They wanted me to drive out to each one of these on my own nickel, spend a number of hours doing a survey, putting together, you know, here's the problems you have, here's the quotes. And so I did this for nine or ten months. Yes. And when, it, when I first started doing it, I'm kind of like, okay, if you want a quote from me, you can just send me your bills and I can do the quote that way. But they wanted me to go out on site and do this. And I'm like, and they weren't offering to pay you know, for anything. And so I'm like, I, I had to flip a switch in my mind and say, you know what, this is the step I have in front of me. I'm going to take this step, and then I just trust God for what comes after yeah. that because I don't know what comes after that. I yeah. may go out here and spend all this time and money and nothing come from yeah. it. But that's what I had to do. That was what was in front of me, and I just took that step. And then after that, God began to open the door. And I yeah. think that's critical because um, oftentimes we want to see the whole thing. I know I want, I want to see the whole thing. I want to yeah. see the beginning, middle, and the end. I want to see it all laid out there. And God doesn't give it to you. He directs our steps. Yes. And, and it's like, Peter, get out of the boat, take a step. You know, uh, he, he just asks us to do little things. You know, Naaman, he had leprosy. God said, go bathe in the Jordan River. He's like, well, there's a dirty river. I'm going to go back to Assyria and bathe in the clean river. And his servant said, he didn't ask you to do a big thing. He asked you to do one little thing, just jump in the water. And, but when he did it, God healed him. Yeah. So it's just taking that one step. And if you're not tithing, maybe, maybe you tithe one week. Yeah. Maybe you tithe one month. You know, uh, you used to go to a church that said, tithe for three or six months, and if you don't see the benefit, we'll give all your money back. You know, I'm not saying you should do that. I don't know. You're on the board. You'd have to help make that decision. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the Bible does say, try me, right? Yeah. Try so me. it does. It does. It really does. Hey, um, would I just, I feel impressed that, that you guys should pray for people who have their own businesses, uh, regardless of how small or big it is, uh, even if it's a micro business that just is just getting started. Will you guys just pray? Pray over businesses right now. And uh, just receive this prayer, especially if you, or you know what, and if you know somebody who has a business, you just kind of pray for them while they're praying. Go ahead. Okay. Heavenly Father, you have dispersed talents mm -hmm. and ideas and motivations and creativity. Uh, the Bible talks about clever inventions. You've put all this into our hearts and our minds. And for those that are here that have taken that step and they're working for themselves or they have employees or they, they have a business that they have operated, it's not just about making money. It's about caring for the people that work for you. And, and they carry that burden. I know, I know what that burden is, Lord. So even if they're just starting or if they're down that road, I pray that you would empower them with the ability 
to, to look to you for wisdom, to have the faith that if they do what's in front of them, if they, if they follow your principles, if they're a steward, if they, if they give that 10%, if they give that first fruit, that you've got them. You're not going to let them fail because they're putting their trust in you. It's like it says in Isaiah 50. It says, you know, if you're walking in the dark, trust in your God because he will lead you. And I know a lot of us, when, especially when you start a business, you're walking in the dark. You don't know where the next thing is going to come from. But trust in God because he will take you through. Yeah. So, Father, I pray that, that there will be a, 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 just an upwelling of faith in yeah. the hearts and minds of those who are, who are leading businesses, small, medium, yes, large, whatever that is, and that you will give them financially, wisdom, yes. um, uh, guidance, opportunities, favor, all those things, Lord, that are needed. I pray that you will direct their steps and just show them that, yes, take that God. step in front of you, and you'll show them the next one. Yes. In Jesus' name. Yes, God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Joel Laban. I appreciate you guys coming up and sharing this story. It's about faith. You know, the scripture tells us we are to fight the good fight of faith. It, it, it is a fight. You know, like when you think of tithing, it's not always easy. But, uh, but God wants us to do this because it is faith-oriented. And I believe that, that it should be a normal part of our lives. I, I, I've been asked this question before. Is it a sin to not tithe? And I, you know, honestly, I can't say that it is. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's not clearly said in the scriptures that it's a sin not to tithe. So please understand that. For me, though, I think for me it is. It, I believe for me it is, and it's because I've I've seen and I've understood and and I've and I've I've participated in the goodness of God associated with it, and so for me personally, it would be sin. I, I believe there are things like that that for for someone something is sin when it's not for someone else. I, uh, there are things that are clearly listed in the Scripture as sin, which applies to everyone. But but uh, but what's happened to me is the truth set me free. The truth set me free about tithing and. And uh, if I were to choose not to tithe, what I would be saying is, well, then God can't make it back up to me and God's not going to be able, there's not enough blessing. God doesn't have enough provision to bless me. Uh, there's the, the floodgates of heaven are obviously empty, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. Uh, if I were to not tithe, I would basically, basically be talking about faith but not living it. And, and that, would be, that would be counterproductive. Uh, be putting myself in a position, and not only myself, but the church in a position of spiritual poverty. So Jacob's tithe, it covered uh, his possessions, his ways, it covered his heart, it covered his total life. After those 20 years, he was a very, very, very different man. And uh, and and the truth is, is that what he did there uh, at, at, at that place that he named Bethel, he, he, he really just declared his unwillingness to experience God's presence without having a covenant with God for his future, for his life. Because uh, he wanted to hear the voice of the Lord the rest of his life. He wanted his provision. He wanted God to take care of him. He wanted to remain under the open heaven. And it's just like I do for my life. It's just like I do for this church. Uh, uh, you know, if if I withhold my tithes, because I can only talk about me, if, if I withhold my tithes, it would negatively affect my home. It would negatively affect this church as well. And so those are those are important things to consider. Uh, 
you know, the, the attitude we have with tithing is never to do it in some just like a robotic fashion, but, but to do it with, with joy and, and, and letting it just be part of the wonderful works of God. I started tithing in 1971. Wow. I started tithing in 1971 when my mother gave me my first allowance and I could stand before God with a pure heart and said, I've never stopped tithing. I have never stopped tithing. I've gone through some tough stuff. I've gone through some really tough stuff. At one point, I had to declare bankruptcy, but I never stopped tithing. You know, time I hit a low, man, that was a low. Never stopped tithing because God's provision is always there. I just want to encourage you to now let God customize this message for you. What is God telling you? I want to just take a couple seconds. We're gonna, I want to have a closing prayer. I want to pray over everybody, but and we're going to sing a, one last song to the Lord. We're not going to take an offering, so just relax. <laughs> but I, I want you guys to listen to the Holy Spirit. What is He saying to you right now? We do that. Just listen to God. Let Him speak. right now. Uh, worship team wants to come up and I want to sing that closing song you guys have planned for us. But uh, before we do, before we sing this song, I want to pray one last prayer for you guys. Receive this. Just receive this prayer. Just, just receive this prayer. Just see yourself under the open heavens of God. The angels of the Lord taking care of you. Provision, blessing, protection. God, I pray for this church, everyone who hears my voice, everyone who's watching online, God, I pray that 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 there will be an open heaven over homes and families and lives, God. God, I pray that there will be an open heaven over our businesses and the things we put our hands to do. And I pray that, that, that you will bring healing to where it's needed. I pray that you will bring financial miracles where they're needed. God, I pray that you will bring supernatural provision, this totally out-of-the-box stuff where, where you know that it's God. Even little tiny things that would seem insignificant to someone else. God, that you will just turn it right back around and you'll bring blessing. Bless, bless, bless in Jesus' name. Bless in Jesus' name. I pray for open doors. I pray for contracts to go through, God. God, I pray for, for, for uh, even for for inheritances and for and for uh, open doors for more resources to come in. I pray for new ideas and creativity. God, I, I pray for I pray for a, uh, a, a just just a solid attitude of I'm not going to move. I'm going to do this and I'm going to keep doing this for the Lord, and nothing's going to move me because God has given me eternity, and I'm a, I'm living under the open heavens, and I don't want the open heavens to be closed up because of my lack of faith. So, God, I just pray that our faith will be increased. God, show us what to do in our own personal and individual ways. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.